Well, imagine with me for a moment that you were dropped off alone in a remote wilderness area and that you're far enough away from civilization and from others that you know that for the next season you're going to be all alone. It's mid to late fall and you've got the clothes on your back and a selection of 10 items that uh, you've selected off a list of about 40 that are going to help you survive. You have no food, no water, no shelter, and your job is to attempt to live in the wild for as long as possible while enduring the elements, deep isolation, physical deprivation, and psychological stress. You do have the option to withdraw or to tap out, as they would say. You've been given a satellite phone that's in the bottom of your bag, and if that time comes, you can call and ask to be lifted out. Very occasionally, that phone is going to ring, and someone's going to do a, conduct a health check on you, but this is the exception, not the norm, and for the foreseen future, your interactions will be limited to the voices in your head and to the creation around you. You're going to be isolated, and it's going to be grueling. You must survive, and it's going to be hard. The game is called alone, and the prize is $500,000, but very few will ever get within earshot of the prize because the price is so high. If you've never seen it, the scene I just described to you is a TV show called Alone, Lost in the Wilderness. It can be seen on the History Channel, on TV, or streamed on Amazon Prime. And I'll give the warning that for parents and people that might find this hard to work with, there is a little bit of language in the show But the premise behind it is fascinating. It's being called the most intense survival series on TV, a masterpiece of human psychology. And while the basis of the show is relatively simplistic, just survive, the outcomes are profound. The contestants represent the best of the best. Hunting outfitters, wilderness survivalists, even Navy SEALs. And while they have gathered the best of the best, Uh, It's oftentimes that these strong people are become the first to fall. People who think they've got this, even after just a couple of days, pick up the phone and tap out because the pressure and intensity of living in isolation literally breaks people down to the point of surrender. And friends, uh, whether it's on the show alone on the northern tips of Vancouver Island or in Mongolia or in the Arctic Circle, or whether we're working with these kind of realities even here in Lethbridge during times like COVID, the effects of isolation and loneliness, even the effects of a me-centric life can break even the strongest of people down, affecting their physical health and their mental well-being and so much more. And so there has to be a different way. As amazing as it is to watch this on TV, we have to believe that we were created for more, that God has a different design for his people. And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk about just that. I want to talk about God's design for community and the reality that we were created for more, we were created for community. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read from verses 15 to 25 this morning, but really we're going to be camping between chapter 1 and chapter 3. If you have your Bible, I want us to just flesh this out and talk about the importance of community and the blessing of abundance that we find from God when we do life together. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 15. I'll read along for us, and you can follow along on your device or your Bible, or if you're online, there's a button there that you can select and you can pull up this passage. Genesis chapter 2. Let's read together, starting in verse 15. 
The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For, when you eat, for if you eat of this tree, you will certainly die. And the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what, what he would name them. And whatever the man uh, called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to the livestock and the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, no, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then he closed up the place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And he said, this is now bone of my bone. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And so she'll be called woman for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become uh, one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. We're starting this uh, message at a really interesting point in Scripture. The creation story is fascinating. And what we come to here in Genesis chapter 2 is what scholars call the first crisis of the Bible. God has just finished creating the heavens and the earth, and as he's done so, he's made a bunch of what we'll call good statements here this morning. He created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and God saw that there was light and it was good. He separated light from darkness, and as he does so, it says he saw good. Then he goes on to create water and, and dry ground. And he saw that it was good. He created a vegetation and seed-bearing plants. He created animals. He created uh, light and darkness. He created seasons and days. And as he does all of these actions in creation, he sees that it's good. And we see this beautiful picture painted of the goodness and glory and blessing of God. Of creating an environment where man could live and man could thrive. And in all of it, he saw that it was good. And so... Um, Genesis chapter 1 ends in verse 31, and it says, God saw all that he was made, and then it goes even further. And it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and, the, and it was the sixth day. As we get to the end of Genesis chapter 1, which is sort of a 30,000-foot overview of creation, we zoom in in the beginning parts of Genesis chapter 2, where we read more about creation, but we read so in a much more detailed way we start to understand and see the beauty of this place where God has planted man. We start to see in verse 8 uh, the garden that God has created. We see uh, all kinds of trees that grow out of the ground that were pleasing to the eye, that were beautiful. In verse 10, we see this, this river watering the garden that flowed from Eden, and from there it separates into four headwaters. And I used to love to study this passage as a kid to try to figure out exactly where God had planted this garden of Eden. There's this entire land where there's gold. There's land where there's aromatic resin. There's onyx. All of it is incredibly beautiful. These rivers are named. This place is described, and you can capture and see the glory of God and the beauty of his creation. But then we get to verse 18, and this crisis is presented to us. And I don't think it's that God made a mistake in creation. I believe what God is doing here is that he's creating emphasis for what he longs for humans to know. Because Adam was in a great place. 
He had communion with God. He had communion, it says in chapter 2, with the animals they were around him. He was naming them. Maybe he was petting them. I have no idea. But what God does here is that he places emphasis on the need for us to live in relationship. And yes, there's, a, there's an inference here towards the marriage relationship, but I think God is looking even beyond that. He's speaking to the reality that, or he declares the reality that man needed a companion or a helper, someone that he could share life with. And yes, in this case, Eve becomes his spouse. But I believe that, that what God is leading us to here is, is the case that Adam needed a fellow traveler. He needed someone that he could interact with regularly, someone he could share with and be with, someone he could eat with, someone he could talk with, someone who knew his name, and someone that really cared for him. And what's amazing about that is that as much as this was God's design, it's amazing to look at life as we live in it today and know that we are taking very fast, large steps away from the way that God designed us to be. We're truly living in an age where we've never been more connected through technology and through devices, and yet we've never been more disconnected from one another. The technology and tools that we have at our disposal are amazing, and, we have to, and yet when it comes to connecting with people, even next door, we're struggling to find ways to create bridges and to create pathways, or even to know their name. When I believe this is exactly what God wants for us. Even in our own homes, there's times, and friends will confess to you that I'm guilty of this. There's times that I spend more time looking at this than I do picking up my head and asking my family and interacting with my family and knowing how they're doing. More and more in our culture, we're moving away from relationship and companionship and more into independence. And the effects of this are profoundly impacting and hurting us. And if I could be so blunt, friends, I would say that the devil is loving what's going on. As we're moving apart and we're, we're moving away from this opportunity, we have to share life together. He's loving these moments. And I believe he's also calling, or I, but I believe through it all, God is calling us back into relationship again. We just come through an exceptional time. COVID has caused us to be apart, and that's not a political statement, and I know that it could be. We're not going there today. But COVID has caused us to be apart and live in isolation for many reasons. And the reality is, is if we embrace what COVID has put in front of us, or sometimes what some of our structures have put up, put in front of us, we can our, we can find our space, we can find ourselves in spaces of isolation, and we can embrace that reality. But COVID has also given us an opportunity to refresh and renew and retry in the area of relationships again. And I think that's what God's going to call us to here. Isolation has long been the devil's chisel. It's long been the devil's instrument. And we actually can see evidence of this in Genesis chapter 3. If you look at this passage, that's the, you know, the story or, or the account of the fall of humanity. We see here that, that, that uh, the, you know, it says the, woman, uh, the serpent came to the woman and deceived her. And then deceived man. He deceived Adam and Eve, and as he deceives them and convinces them to eat from the true or from the fruit of the tree that was good, the tree of, the, of, of knowledge for good and evil, instantly upon their sin, Satan begins his work. In verse 8, we say, um, Sorry, let me go back. Uh, 
Verse 8, the man, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord in the garden, and they were ashamed. They hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. And the Lord said, where are you? They reco- In verse 7, that's where I wanted to start, I'm sorry. Verse 7, when they ate the fruit, their eyes were open and they recognized their nakedness. And they sewed together fig leaves and made coverings for themselves. And then they hid from God. This is the way it works with sin in our lives. Satan loves to pull us aside and put us into a corner when we sin or when we're sinned against. He loves to shame us. He loves to reveal brokenness. He loves to give to us a broken identity that was never meant for us to embrace. Satan pulls us apart. He puts us into the corner and he loves to hold us there, convincing that this is our lot in life. And it's a tool of the devil to isolate us, to break us, to hold us apart because he knows that when we're together, we live in the image of God. He knows that that when we live in relationship with one another, there's a blessing that comes. So what Satan intends to push apart, uh, Jesus intends to bring back together and we see evidence of this in in Genesis 3.15 which is called the Proto-Evangelicum. It's the first gospel where where God says, no, I'm going to break this off. I'm going to break this pattern. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, the the serpent and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and he will strike your heel. Friends, I want to give us a warning that in in life, and we've just come through an exceptional season, and so we need to be careful that we... Of how we measure this, but in life, when we find ourselves in regular isolation or regularly alone, that oftentimes the devil can use those times to to spit lies into our head and to break us down. We weren't meant to do life this way. And the caution I want to give to us that is that if it's the regular pattern of life that we're sitting at tables all by ourselves, or we're slipping in and out of rooms, and nobody notices that we're there, then we're finding ourselves in dangerous ground. We need to be careful. And COVID's an exception to that. There was reasons we had to respect the rules or the guidelines that were put in front of us. But coming out of this, in the next weeks and months and years to come, if the regular pattern of our life is isolation and aloneness, We need to be careful and have our guard up or have our flag up because it's in this area that the devil loves to seed his lies and he loves to deceive. Now let me say something very quick because I want to provide a strong point of clarity here. And that is if if you're in a spot where you're living by yourself, uh, I want to be careful in how I say this to you because we love you and respect you. I'm saying that over the course of a few months or even a year, If you don't have a spot, in general for everybody, if you don't have a spot where you can sit down at a table across from somebody and they know know your name and they know a little bit of your story, then this is a good thing. But if the regular pattern is that there aren't people in your life who know you, who you can journey with, even in, in, in sometimes small ways, then we sometimes can, can give the devil a spot where he can speak these lies into our mind. But the good news is that Jesus has a better way. The good news is that we are a part of a family of faith where there's opportunities to come to the table. The good news is that we can come together, and as we do, the Lord blesses, and the Lord moves, and the Lord uh, gives to us an identity as a united body of believers 
who are united with Jesus and who, who can share in life together and experience a blessing. And friends, I believe that if we embrace this idea that we will start to understand what it means to live in the center of God's design and the God's plan. And the effects of this will impact us deeply, beyond even what we might believe we can experience here today. As amazing as that uh, time of worship was, I believe that God has even more as we come together and as we worship and as we eat and as we share life together. 35 years ago this fall, which is humbling for me to say. I feel like every time I'm on this stage, I'm confessing something about my age. 35 years ago this fall, our family left an established Alliance Church in the northwest of Calgary with three other families to start a church plant in the community of Silver Springs. And I can still remember to this day, even though it was that long ago, driving with my family in the back. I was in the back of a Chevy Malibu station wagon and driving down Crowchild Trail towards the community of Silver Springs and Silver Springs Elementary School and going to church for the first time. I remember weeping in the back seat of the car. My mom was, was crying as well. We didn't want to do something new. We liked where we were and where we had come from, but God had invited our family with three others to start this new church and some more had joined by the time we finally got launched and going. And I remember uh, arriving to church, and what started as the unknown quickly became a place where our family loved as we rolled up our sleeves and attempted to make Jesus famous in the city's northwest together. The early years of Bow Valley Alliance were exciting. Everything was new. We were trying different things. If you look back on the statistics of that church, the church grew in exponential ways. If the, if the, if the normal... Uh, growth percentage for, for healthy church growth back then was 10%. We were far exceeding it in the early 90s. Uh, great churches were going at 15 to 20%. Exponential growth, which that church experienced, grew even beyond that. And we saw miracle after miracle take place as God gathered people and had influence upon the city of Calgary. But the early days of Bow Valley Alliance Church weren't marked by statistical anomalies. The early days of Bow Valley Alliance Church was marked by something different. It was marked by a sense of family. It was marked by a blessing. It was marked by the reality that there was, that there was this understanding that we were a faith family together. And there was an anticipation as we gathered that God was going to bless and God was going to move as we worshipped or as we gathered. I remember going to, to meals in people's homes. Sunday morning was amazing, but in my heart, almost equal to that, or even maybe even better than that, was the times that we'd get together outside of our worship gatherings. And I remember going for meals at people's homes by the name of Fredland or Moresco or Bygrave or, or Earhart or Kinneberg or whatever the case might be. I remember going for, for meals in those homes and leaping out of the car and running towards the house. My parents called me back to the car saying, Aaron, you got to come back and carry something. We loved to be together. We longed to be together. These people were like family. I almost like them better than my own family. And as we got together, we would share in life together. We would bear one another's burdens. I remember a man, and some of you in this room will know this man, a man by the name of Lauren Fredland who committed early on to pray for me as a young man. 
And he gave his life, and we would go over to his house, and he would pull me aside and take special interest in my life. He would ask me about how things were going. He would encourage me. He would motivate me. And I experienced early on, in the early days of Bow Valley Alliance and in the years to come, what it meant to live in true biblical community. In later years, we start to experience this growth, and we move from building to building. There's people in this room that were part of that. Uh, you know, last name of Hunter and Polsky. My sisters are here today. And in those days, that sense of family continued. And the blessing came, and God put an expectation in my heart and the hearts of others for what it meant to live in biblical community together. And so after years at Bow Valley Alliance, then be called Rock Point Church, I had the chance to go into Canadian Bible College in Regina. And then I get to participate and worship in places like Penticton and now here in Lethbridge. And that sense of family continues, friends. There's an anticipation when we gather. There's a, a longing when we come together. And I believe this comes because this is exactly God's design for his people. He longs for us to be together. He longs for us to share and not just show up and, and slip in and out of a room, but to actually be known and to motivate and share with one another, to go deeper with Jesus. This is what community is all about. And I believe it's especially important as we come out of a season like COVID that we discover or rediscover again what it means to be a church family together. And this is exactly God's design. When you go back to the early parts of the creation account, we can read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, exactly what God designed for us here. And it says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Friends, the truth is, is that if God created us in his own image, then he, cre he creates us into relationship because this is exactly how he exists. One body, three persons. He exists himself in community. And this passage tells us how he's created us for more or how he's created us for community as well. Once his created image is completed in Genesis chapter 1, 27, what does it say? He says, male and female, he created them. He formed us, he created us, he shaped us to share in life together. And this is exactly where he finishes, not where he begins, but where he finishes. He finishes with us being together in relationship. And this, this creates a picture for God's primary goal for humanity, loving community with him and with one another. Friends, in order for us to most truly bear in the image of God, there must be more than one person. We must come together. And while Genesis 2.18, as I said, speaks towards the marriage relationship, the greater sense here is that we must capture, that, it, and it goes beyond marriage. God is in the business of bringing people together with one another in the sense, and, and this lends itself more towards companionship or a sense of family or a tribe where he's the primary sustainer and he's also the most glorious inhabitant. As Christians, we call ourselves monotheists. We believe in the oneness of God, but I believe this speaks to the oneness of community that God has for us here, of loving, relational unity, in his case, between the three persons of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in our case, with our Savior and Lord Jesus, and with the Father and with the Spirit, but also with one another. We were made for community, 
And if you've ever experienced, you know how amazing it is and how powerful it is. It becomes an easy place to invite people into because this is exactly what God does. If Satan pushes us apart into the corners of, uh, of whatever it is, of life or the corner of the room, Jesus brings us back to the center. He builds the church. He builds relationship. He restores relationship. He reconciles wrongs. He does it all to achieve the greater good of building his kingdom and of, of giving us an identity of one body with many parts, as Pastor Brian shared about last week. People who've been brought together to share life on a much deeper level than just, hey, how are you doing? And did you watch the hockey game last night? God has more for us. And it needs to be said that, that being the community, being the church is truly gospel-centered work. God sent his son to die on a cross so that we could live in community with him. And out of that, give unity to what brings us together as Christians. One family, many parts, created in his image. You know, I hope that through the bumbling of my words, and I feel like I'm bumbling a little bit today, being able to paint a picture, a contrasting picture of Satan's plan and God's plan. What I want to finish with here, friends, is what I believe is a picture or a vision of what I believe God is leading us to in this coming season. Call this a kingdom vision or whatever, but I believe universally people and communities that are thriving coming out of this COVID season are ones that are looking to God and who are embracing this truth. Can I speak into something really quick here? Because I think this is important and it's something that many of us in the church and outside of the church are experiencing. It's something I think we need to pay attention to. We're in a season of building the church again. That's true here at University Drive Alliance Church and it's true universally across the board. But as we're building the church, it's, you know, we've become aware that there's a restlessness in our culture, that there's something more out there. Maybe we expect that there's something more with God, or maybe we expect more, something more in life, but there's this kind of universal restlessness that's taking place. And as it's taking place, I think people are, are looking for, like I say, something more, but maybe even for something to change. Think of it in these terms. In the, in the financial world, when people uh, are in a time where the economy's in a recession or when the stock markets drop, the quick reaction is to pull the investment and put it into something else to make sure that it goes up quickly or to hope that it goes up quickly. And in the kingdom of God, I think this is the wrong idea. Actually, in talking to some of our financial planners in the church, they too tell me this is the wrong idea. It's not a time to pull out. Instead, instead, it's a time to go in deeper and to go in more. It's a time to make an investment in a greater way. And so it might be that as you're here in the church, you're going to try a new ministry or you're going to try to establish with a new set of people. And sometimes there's good reasons to do this, but I want to caution you that in a restless season of life, Sometimes what we need to do is make a greater investment into the things that we're, we're setting our hands to. Sometimes we need to put in uh, a more uh, concerted effort, not a works-based theology effort, but a mind-space effort to make a greater investment because I believe that the devil loves to lie to us and get us to move around sometimes. But actually what we need to do is, is make a greater investment. So coming out of covid 
as we've lived in an exceptional season, we can find an even greater blessing and a greater opportunity to make Jesus famous. And so as I share this kingdom vision, I say so to people that I know universally are feeling restless, restless, a restlessness, but also ones that I think are aware that God is creating new pathways and opportunities for us as we consider community. And a new opportunity to build new patterns that were more closely aligned with what God is inviting us to become in the days ahead. Let me say this one last thing. I think that the restlessness that's in our hearts these days has more to do with God shaking off old patterns than it does uh, with maybe trying a new ministry or finding some new people. I believe God's stirring us up again. And as he does, I believe he's calling us together to build up the church, to gather people. And so, so let me start, or let me suggest a couple of key steps that can help us to make a greater investment and to move forward in this. The first thing would be this. The first thing would be to take a survey of our current schedules and a survey of, of, the, of the space and time we have and to create margin or to find margin with that time. Margin is our friend, friends, and it's our friend and community. And so finding half an hour a week or an hour a week to spend time with others might be a great way to start building community again. God longs for us to have this. And if it's become the pattern through COVID to slip in and slip out, maybe the new pattern coming out of COVID into a new normal means that you linger a little bit more in the spaces that you share in life. Maybe it's out in the church foyer. Maybe it's after work. Maybe it's at your kitchen table. We create space and margin to, to uh, linger and to invest a little bit more. And I believe in doing so, we need to start with looking at our schedules and creating space to allow this to happen. I can be very guilty of filling up my schedule too full. And so sometimes the wiser or the greater pathway forward is to slow down and say no to a couple of things so that I can linger more with people like my family and people like you. So take out your phone today. Look at your calendar. Look at the request for your time in the days to come. And as you do, be aware and be cognizant of the fact that you can create space to rub shoulders more with others. The second strategy to building community is that we must be willing to take the risk of taking the first step. And I know this is scary. For some of us, this is easier than others. But think of it this way. You might be the answer to someone's prayer who is restless and looking for something more. As you go out in the foyer today, take a moment to linger and look around for people who might be on the, on, the, on the sidelines or might be on the edge of that room and take the risk to approach them. Maybe they're checking out our church for the first time. Maybe they're hurting this week and they're just waiting for somebody to talk to them. Take the risk of taking the first step. And as you do, I believe a blessing is going to come as you reach out and you share life with them. Maybe for you this week, uh, there's an opportunity as you create space in your schedule to, to go even beyond the foyer of our church, to take someone out for lunch, to go for coffee. A couple of weeks ago on Mother's Day, we gave our moms gift, gift certificates to go to or cards to go to Petal Paws and Beans, which is just over here uh, by Westside Community Church. Take somebody over there, eat some of their cookies. They're so good. Their hummingbird cake is like next level. Go to that place and linger with somebody. 
take the risk, get to know people better, and as you do, a blessing is going to come that might really surprise you and really bless you. We have three events coming up in the church that Pastor Scott talked about. The Seniors Coffee on Thursday, our Newcomers Lunch next Sunday, our church camp out June 10th to 12th. These are some of the best spaces that we have right now to help you connect and to help you become known. Our church camp out has been a highlight ministry for many years now. I think it's like 10 years we've been going with a little break in the middle for COVID. We'd love for you to go. There's lots of space. It's going to be a wonderful time. You will laugh and you'll cry. You'll get to know people. Take the risk of taking the first step. And finally, join us in taking ownership of community here at UDAC and in life. Very practically, we need practitioners to take ownership of community. This fall, we're looking for leaders for our small group ministries. And if God is pulling at your heartstring as I say that, or God has been pulling at your heartstring for some time, we really need to chat after the service or sometime in the coming days. We need people who will take ownership of gathering people together and looking to Jesus in a fresh way. We need men and women who are willing to step up and say, I'm going to be a part of the, of the solution here. And we have great tools to equip you for that. We love to have people in small group communities. We love to have people in discipleship circles. We love to have people in triads and men's prayer groups and if gatherings and if tables. We love to gather people together and we need people to lead the charge. Come and let us know. We need people to take ownership in our church and in our foyer. We need people who are going to look for people who are new to this place and gather them together and embrace them and love them. Invite them to sit with them. We need people who are going to invite others out for a coffee or, or a meal or whatever the case might be. I know it's a risk. I know it's scary. Even as somebody who's become uh, as, as extroverted as I have in life, at times I can find this intimidating. Maybe you want to start a walking group. Maybe you want to take a group to a not-for-profit to serve in the community. Maybe you want to host a Zoom prayer group. Whatever it is, friends, we need people to take ownership and to, to gather up people together, to be the church, to embrace this call to move from me to we and to lead us forward as we understand what it means to be them. We need to embrace the call to community. And as we do, friends, I believe that the days in front of us are going to be far more blessed than the days behind us. And there's been some really good days in this church. You look back over the history, which I love to do, of University Drive Alliance Church. I think it's 83 years God has blessed us. 82 years God has blessed us in the city of Lethbridge. And I believe there's many more to come. It starts as we be the church together, the hands and the feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. And it calls as we take ownership of what it means to be a community of faith, a faith family together. I'm going to invite our tech team to turn down the lights like we did last week. I'm going to invite you to pull out your phones. And as we do, uh, I'm going to read a paragraph and then a benediction and I want to invite you to turn on your lights as um, you feel led. I'm not going to say you have to do it here, you have to do it there. Over the course of this paragraph and this benediction, I want to invite you to turn on your lights and to hold it up and to let it shine. As the Spirit leads you, turn on this light.
And as I read this next paragraph, I want to invite you to stand with me. It's not going to be long, but I invite you to stand with me now, and as you pull out your phones, I'm going to read this. And as you feel led, you're going to turn on this light together. So let's read this. Friends, I know there's been a restlessness in our hearts that God has more for us in this next season to come. And this is good news. I believe that as we're restless, God is going to start to use people like yourselves and us to build his church once again. I believe uh, that it's going to start with one light. But just as we together join in and live in community, God is going to bless and he's going to bring others alongside God longs for us to experience this type of community. And I believe there's going to be a blessing that's in front of us and a transformation that will not only come just to our lives, but to the lives of many others as well. And so let me invite you into a fresh encounter with community. Let me invite you to live as we were created to live with one another and for one another for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of all people. God is inviting us into deeper spaces with him and with each other starting today. And so church, let's go and be the church. Let's go and be the hands and the feet of Jesus in a world that desperately needs him. Let's go and be light in darkness. Let's go and gather people together in Jesus' name and for the glory of God and for the joy of his people. Let's have a good time doing it and eat a lot of cookies and brownies and coffee as we do so. Let's go and be the church. Let's be a community and a family of faith because you matter to me and I matter to you and this world matters to Jesus. Let's go and be light in darkness and go live as God designed us to do. Let's do it together for the glory of God and the joy of his people and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together.